Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today we're going to be talking to Dan Bouchel of Missions Resource Network about the topic church and missionary partnership. How are you going, Dan? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, so if you can hear us both kind of laugh, and it's probably obvious, uh, Dan is my father. Um, so it's awkward. I have been me. your whole life. His whole, my whole life. And so it's a little awkward for me to be calling by his first name for introductions. Uh, so I'll just say dad from here on out. Dad, tell me about uh, Missions Resource Network. What do you guys do? What's your mission? So in the missions world, we're, we're kind of uh, an odd animal you don't see in the woods very often. Um, so we're a missions agency, but we come from a fellowship that doesn't really have missions agencies or use that language. So we come from, I come from, grew up in a fellowship that was congregational in orientation. Uh, and the whole idea of missions being done by anybody other than the local congregation was, you know, not really an acceptable thing that the congregation was responsible for the mission. So we were created yeah. as an organization to help churches do mission well and to help missionaries get on the field and be trained well. And so we're kind of in this strange in-between space between churches and missionaries. But we don't function like a typical missions agency because the missionaries don't work for us. We don't pay them. We don't hold them accountable. We help the churches and we help the missionaries as a kind of a third entity. Okay, so talk to me a bit about both sides of that equation. When you're talking about being a resource for churches, uh, like you said, you're not a sending agency. Uh, so what does that look like? What are the needs of churches and how do you meet those? So um, churches really vary in their capacity to understand how to serve the mission of God and their skills. But churches tend to be very, very local and they tend to be fairly behind the curve in terms of what's happening globally. And so they know some things about places where they have been working. They've learned some things from missionaries they've supported. But on the whole, they generally have a pretty outdated notion of what's going on in the world, what's needed in terms of mission, and the information that they have almost always comes from the workers they support on the field, which is fairly limited. So one of the things that we do is we help them really get a sense of what is God doing in the world right now? What are the major trends? What are the, the, the places in the world and the people where God is dramatically on the move and where we can join him effectively? And then we help them develop a sense of best practices strategies, structures for, you know, how to do missions well, how to care for a missionary, how to do missionary care, how do you do accountability, all of the various pieces that, you know, congregations have sharp people who could figure that out, but they usually don't have the time. They don't usually have the creative bandwidth to put into it. Yeah. And so we kind of help them do that a little bit quicker, and then we tend to gather information from many different churches and gather up best practices and share them with each other. So we're kind of a, a network uh, facilitator, equipper yeah. to kind of help churches understand what do we need to be doing and how do we do it and how do we do it well and how do we know if it's working. <laughs> right, yeah, you know, for sure. It, it's, a, it's a pretty cool space to be in. Uh, we, we enjoy doing that with churches. When you, you know, I, I'm sure – Churches have a lot of diverse and unique needs according to their own history and their passions and what they partner with. But if you look at contemporary churches across the United States that you work with, are there a few common core transitions that you see most churches making or needing to make in how they partner with missionaries? Oh, I mean, yeah, 
the, there are a lot. Um, one, um, we're coming out of an era when missionaries had a vision for what God is doing in the world, and it seemed far removed from an American church's uh, perspective. And so they knew they had a responsibility to do missions, and they wanted to help people who were willing to do that, but it seemed really, really far away. And so they saw their role as to help the missionary get there, but it was up to the missionary to have a vision, to know what they needed to do, and it's our job to support them. Well, now we're living in a globalized era where people travel and because of the Internet and constant news, there's just a global sense of awareness. And churches now kind of have a sense of what's going on in the world and they want to have a little bit more of a sense of ownership. And and their role is dramatically changing in that world. Right. And that changes the relationship with missionaries and they're more likely to go and visit, see what's going on. And and churches don't want to just be best passive uh, financial supporters of something. Uh, we're in an era where people are sending a lot of people off on short-term missions. They they want to be actively involved. And one of the things we hear from churches all the time is, we want a missions location where we can send our people and where we can see what's going on. They can feel a sense of ownership in it and not just occasionally hear stories, get a report, um, see a slideshow. We want to go. We want to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's big. So moving from a more passive supporting role to a more active participant, uh, you know, informed a connected church. That's one of the core things that you see a lot of congregations transitioning towards. Yeah. You know, the, and, and they know they want to make a change, but they don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so one of the phrases I use with churches a lot is in the past, churches have acted kind of like bad venture capitalists who weren't really sure what kind of business they were in. <laughs> You know, and now they're really wanting to be active stakeholders in the enterprise. Yeah. And it's not like they're wanting to control it, but they want to have a sense of ownership and they want their people to feel a sense of connection. And they realize if if we're going to get our people to give to this and we're really going to get them excited about it, then we need to be involved in it in a way. And sometimes they can get so overloaded in terms of short term missions that they're not really doing long-term good and there's yeah. a balance that's in there, but helping churches kind of develop a sense of what is your calling instead of you funding somebody else's calling, instead of you funding somebody else's vision, you need to have your own sense of calling. We as a church need to be asking God where in the world and what people groups is he asking us to join him in establishing kingdom and then partner with the mission and then part and then find the people to do that. Mm. So historically, at least in our movement and a lot of, I think a lot of traditions uh, missions kind of functioned like the missionaries built a house and they put it on a flatbed trailer and they drove around and tried to find a foundation to put it on and they never could find one that really fit. And so they're propping it up with boards and they're propping it up with cinder blocks. And, yeah. and, and so you've got this kind of support structure that really wasn't designed for this house. Right. And you're always going around trying to stabilize it instead of Start with the foundation. Start with the church. We have a vision. God has called us to establish the kingdom, to join him and really seeing the kingdom take root among this people group. Now, who can help us get there and what people can go there and what other churches, organizations, ministries can help us do that? And and then the missionary is a is a partner to accomplish that. But the missionaries may go and then they come home. But our commitment to that people group doesn't change. And right. then And then. As that people group 
becomes a stronger place for kingdom expansion. How do we work with them to take the gospel to the next place and the next right. place? So you have a long-term yeah. commitment. And the missionaries are beloved partners in that, but you're not just financing something that right. they're doing. The mission is bigger than the support. This is something you feel a sense of ownership on. Now, the other big change is because of globalization. It's very likely that there are representatives from whichever country you're talking about within a relative short distance to your congregation. Yeah. So a huge change that I see in, in working with churches and consulting with them when they're saying, well, where should we be working? How do we figure out who to support? Do we just kind of interview whoever may come by? Do we call different missions organizations and say, who do you have ready to go? Do we decide based on geography? You know, where can we send people quickest for short-term missions, in which case everybody's going to go to Latin America? Um, you know, where, where do we go? Well, what what we're telling people is pay attention to who God is bringing into your neighborhood. Yeah. There are immigrants moving into your state, into your city, you may not know about, but they're there. Is that telling you something about where God may want you to work? And if you could combine outreach to the diaspora peoples who are coming into your city with where you're working globally, the people that you are connecting with here are all talking to people back in their home country. Right. Yep. How do you leverage those relationships so that what you're learning about the people reaching out to you locally also informs where you're working globally and what you're learning from working globally informs how you're trying to reach uh, locally. That's just something nobody would have thought about or considered 50 sure. years ago, probably sure. not 30 years ago, but today churches can all say, well, you know, there's this Tongan community over here, or, well, there's this Burundian community over here, or, well, there's this, you know, do some demographics. Who's moving into your neighborhood? Right. That ought to say something to you about who God wants you to reach. Yeah, so even breaking down the vision between the domestic and foreign mission of the church. So lining those out, which yeah. brings up a third transition. Churches are beginning to realize that mission should not be a parasite on the church that draws resources off the church, but it's the bone marrow that drives what we do. And that we need to think locally like missionaries, just like we do internationally. And we can treat what we're partnering with internationally as R&D to help us figure out how to work locally. Yeah. And the principles that we use in terms of how we're operating locally and globally should overlap and at least be commensurate if, if, if not, you know, identical. Right. So that, that we can learn from each other and mutually support each other. Um, you know, well, that's different from, well, we believe in these people and they're good people and we want to help them. Well, what's their strategy? Oh, we don't know. We don't know anything about that. And mm. well, what are you learning from them? Oh, learning from them. What do you mean? You yeah. know, it, it's a whole different way of thinking. And a lot of that's just that the world has shifted mm. and churches are having to adapt. And that means thinking about missions differently. Absolutely. That's incredibly helpful and also a lot of things to think about. I would love if you could make the transition now. Uh, so that's the church side of the equation. On the missionary side of the equation, what are the things that you guys at MRN are helping missionaries understand? What are some, some of the common transitions they're needing to make uh, reciprocally in terms of understanding how to partner with churches and be in ongoing relationship with more domestic congregations? Well, there there are several. You know, one that comes to mind immediately is the people that come to us have an assumption about what church looks like and how it should function that probably isn't going to work where they're going, mm -hmm. and so they have to 
unlearn a lot of things and we need to strip it down to exactly what is the call and what are you called to do there and and then how do you talk about that when you go back to that church back to the domestic the domestic situation yeah. yeah so you grow up in a church that does church in a certain way and it's kind of a centralized institution and it's a good in a lot of ways but we don't want to export this to another country. And a lot of places we're sending them are places where you can't do that. You just It's just simply not an option. Some other approach to ministry. Is yeah. So, so what is it you're called to do? Well, the, the commission is to make disciples. And, it, and we need to make disciples in a way that can, it's sustainable, it's replicable. We're not trying to replicate institutions. We're trying to reproduce the life of Jesus and into communities of people who can reproduce the life of Jesus into communities of people. And how do we strip that down to its most essential elements so that we don't pass a lot of cultural baggage along and we don't kind of export Western imperial models of church? Well, the unlearning is much greater than the learning. Yeah. It's not that complicated. The idea of being a disciple, making the disciple, training people to be disciples. The problem is all the unlearning. And it's not that they have to unlearn bad stuff. It's not that it was bad. It's just that it's not going to translate well. It's sure. not going to replicate. But as we're doing training with them, the thought categories, the mental images in their head are still coming from a completely different world. And so that's a huge change. Well, once they begin to make the conceptual change, then how do they talk to their church about that? Right. And how do they educate them about how... The church you're helping part plant in another world ain't going to look like the mama church. Mm. And if you come and visit it, you're not going to see anything that looks like anything you've ever known. And it's not going to meet and gather and function the way you do. So how do we equip the missionary to educate the church about what they're partnering in? And a lot of the right. time, we have to help the missionary and we have to help the church. So one of the things we've started doing is saying, if we can't train your church, we really don't want to train you. As because worker, yeah. we're setting you up to have conflict with your sending church. Mm. Because typically, if the baby don't look like mama, mama don't want to pay its bills. <laughs> okay. So, you know, is that my baby? That don't look like my baby. Sure. And it's really tough when you got a good work going and people show up from your sending church and they go, well, this isn't a church. This is what a church is supposed to look like. Well, they haven't been prepared to understand what kingdom of God coming alive in this community may look like and it may not have all the western structures and styles and facilities and all the infrastructure that we associate with church yeah. and yet disciples in community making disciples so there's just an educational paradigm shift we have to help the missionaries know how to communicate that and understand it how to communicate it and help the church they're supporting understand it but honestly we typically need to help them by preparing the church to understand what they're getting into or down the road, there's just going to be a problem. Yeah, let me ask you this, because, you know, one of the things that we found at times training missionaries, uh, it, that tension is there, that tension between, um, you know, what the context calls for in terms of disciple making. And a lot of times that's stepping away from traditional models or institutions. But one of the, transitions that a lot of missionaries go through that we found is they become in some ways idealistic or maybe even antagonistic towards the mother church that birthed them. Yeah. And that is a spiritual and emotional issue that then you have to 
pastorally walk missionaries through. Yeah. How, how do you navigate that? Because well, that's a tremendous that's, difficulty a lot of Yeah, times. that's a missionary care assessment issue. And so one of the things we have to assess is, why are you going into the field? And anytime somebody makes a big life change, there's always a push and a pull. Mm-hmm. There's something that's driving them away, and there's something that's drawing them in. And if if we were perfectly content and everything was wonderful and meeting our needs greatly, we probably wouldn't get up and move and think about doing something else. Sure. And so God uses the frustrations in our life, the broken things in our life, to help us move to something else. The problem is if the push outweighs the pull, mm-hmm. then probably what's driving them is resentment. Reactivity. Reactivity. Yeah. Kind of an adolescent, you know, well, we'll show you and and... They're reacting out of frustration and anger over what they didn't get in their church experience. And that has to be confronted. That has to be dealt with. We've, we've got to be able to have those conversations. What's motivating you? Um, and that's just part of the assessment process in terms of identifying those things. And they don't always manifest real, real early on, which means you need to have ongoing relationship coaching sessions You've got to be facilitating those things because they may not manifest themselves until they're on the field. Yeah. Um, and, and there's a, people move pretty quickly to a sense of superiority. Oh, well, now we found out how you really do church. Well, different is not necessarily better always. Yeah. And so, you know, there are strengths in the kind of church you grew up in, but they may not always fit over here. There are problems in the church you grew up in and, you, you need to make your peace with those. But guess what? The church you're planning is going to have lots of problems, and a lot of them are going to be your diseases, which you pass on. <laughs> yeah. And so you need to be very careful about judging the model of church you grew up in. Right. Because your disciples are going to come back and tell you how you screwed them up. Right. So there's there's no perfect model of church. No. But there are ways of doing it that are better depending on the context. And maturity is... Not saying my parents were perfect. They did nothing wrong. I want to be just like them or my parents were stupid and they were idiots and I want to be anything else but them. But saying I really appreciate the strengths of my heritage and what my, you know, parents gave me. And I want to overcome some of the mistakes that they made with a sense of humility of and I'll probably make a lot of mistakes myself. And, you know, we're all doing the best we can. Yeah. And and that's that kind of maturity in terms of dealing with our parentage and our families of origin is also true with our churches of origin. You know, humility is a good thing and it works everywhere. Uh, and it's really essential for healthy ministry, healthy life, healthy work. And, you know, it's one of those things you're always keeping your eye on. What's driving people? What's motivating people? What's what's causing them to do this? Why are they making this move? Are they running away from something? Are they trying to compensate for something? Or are they really responding to a call and being drawn? Well, it's typically, it's it's a mix. Yeah. It's just, you want to make sure that the mix is a healthy mix and not a toxic mix. Right. So let me end on this note, because it sounds like with both the, the sending and supporting churches um, stateside and the missionaries that you know, you want them to emerge out of the mission of these churches and feel integrated into, you know, they're all working together as parts of the mission of God, as partners and teammates to, you know, fulfill the Great Commission. And in the midst of that relationship, there can be a lot of insecurity because we're not exactly going to look like one another. We may make decisions differently depending on our context. There can be a lot of defensiveness because things look differently. 
So if you were going to leave off with a, some kind of challenge or encouragement for both parties in that relationship, or, you know, they may be different pieces of advice, but what would be the challenge or encouragement you would leave off for those two partners to work well together? The challenge is stay in communication. Mm-hmm. Talk to each other. Set up systems for communication. Don't wait until something breaks to start talking. Yeah. Um, missionaries are typically very driven. They feel a sense of responsibility to show product, to defend the, their being in the field, to justify that expense, and taking the time to communicate, yeah. to send newsletters, to do video conferencing back home, to share their story, particularly when a lot of times it doesn't seem like anybody's paying attention. You know, it just seems like this is a waste of time. This is a waste of time. Uh, and it's real easy for churches and the people in them in the States who are really busy to just kind of neglect that and not really set up predictable systems of communication and care. And and the next thing you know, all those things you talked about, insecurities, defensiveness, you know, just the natural judgment that crops up in absence starts manifesting itself in suspicion and everything else. We have got to communicate relationship are, is the rails on which the kingdom of God advances. It's all about relationship, and we've got to be intentional about relationship. Not just doing a newsletter because we had in our covenant that we would do that periodically, but really thinking creatively about how do we share these stories. Uh, the home congregation needs to be thinking, and, and the missions community needs to think about how do we capture and share the stories of what God is doing in this country and that country. Um, and keeping those lines of communication open so that and you've got people in the sending church on the missions committee. They've got a responsibility to be, uh, you know, praying for and capturing the stories. And you've got people who are asking, you know, how's your spiritual life and uh, how's what's going on with your family? And you're very intentional about communication and care strategies. It comes down to trust and trust is built on relationship and relationship depends on regularity of communication. So if you don't set that up, you will break down. Mm. Yeah, that's a great word. Thanks for that. Um, Well, thanks for joining me today. Dad, I appreciate you making the time. And thank you for joining us on this episode of the Global City Mission podcast. You can learn more about GCMI on our website at globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on our Facebook and Twitter.